Hello, my name is Jacob, and I am a Norse pagan, and welcome to the ninth episode of the Folk Podcast. In this episode, we have a really special guest. Um, we're bringing on Dana from the Shadow Moon Witch YouTube channel. Um, that we, we and her have actually been talking for a very long time. Um, in fact, I think almost a year now. Um, so it was just natural that it was like, we need to get her on the show just because she has a very large uh, skill set and knowledge set within this faith. Um, so I will stop talking. I'll let Dana do uh, introduce herself. So Dana, tell us about yourself and how you got into the faith. Well, I have actually been pagan and a practicing witch since I was about 15 years old. And um, I sort of, I got into it mostly because I have always been interested in pagan religions and witchcraft in the paranormal. Um, I've had experiences with um, ghosts and spirits and the dead communicating with me. So I was trying to look for things that made sense with that. And also just having experiences as a child, kind of feeling the gods, but not really knowing what it was. Um, when I was a kid, I used to say it's Mother Earth, because that was kind of literally the only thing I could think of. Um, and throughout my teens and 20s, I started to really experiment more with working with personified deity to the point where I eventually knew that I would work with the Norse gods because my heritage is predominantly Scandinavian. And I have a very, um, my practice is very connected to honoring my ancestors. So I knew that eventually that would happen. And it did in about 2012, it all started with a dream I had with Odin. And it kind of slowly progressed for a few years until I decided in 2015 to get a tattoo of the runes, uh, um, a few of the runes on my chest. And that opened the floodgates. <laughs> and since then, I've been mostly working with the Norse gods in, in general. <laughs> so um, I guess a good question to start out that I feel like a lot of people ask is, and I've actually had people ask me um, is, how easy is it to kind of like blend Wiccan with like Norse paganism and like those different like forms of witchcraft? Like I know there's a lot of similarities, but like how many like differences really are there? How difficult is it to kind of blend the two together? It's honestly not too difficult. Um, I started out experimenting with Wicca. So that's kind of my baseline until I started to realize that Wicca wasn't necessarily for me. At least I didn't want to define my craft in that way. And so I kind of started to forge my own path um, and everything just came along with it. And, you know, it started with witchcraft and then it started to become more, less, less pantheistic and more polytheistic as gods introduced themselves into my practice. So um, if you want to kind of have a good example of how that may look, um, I honor the, I follow the moon cycles. I tend to follow um, magical times of the day. Sometimes if I'm working on a spell, it's going to be kind of not always down to the wire, but I like to utilize those things. And for say, um, if I'm calling on a specific um, spell, if I'm doing something for my family, I call on Frigg. Um, if I'm doing something for my own self-empowerment, I call in Freya. Those are the two main deities I work with, though, aside from Odin, who likes to disappear for half the year. But <laughs> um, that's generally how I do it. So I just implement my deities into whatever working I'm doing. Okay, so, yeah, and also another question. I know, like, based off of a lot of the stuff that you do on YouTube, um, you do a lot of stuff with tarot cards. Um, and one of the things that, the big questions that I've got is I've noticed that you kind of have it 
um, some of your videos for those broken up by seasons. Is there any like specific reason why, or like, are there certain decks that you only use for certain seasons because of like, uh, they have a specific like power or set? Cause I'm very uneducated, I guess you could say as far as tarot cards go. Um, so I, I've just, I noticed that in your videos and I was very curious if there was any sort of correlation by decks and seasons specifically. The only deck I own that really has a very deep or a very strong correlation to the season would be the Halloween tarot, just because it's specifically themed. But I more have that as kind of just, it reminds me of Halloween when I was a kid. Halloween's my favorite holiday. It's just fun. Um, but most of my other decks, I did make a video on decks that I just have that fall vibe to me. But honestly, I use them all year round, really. Just whatever, I do have a collection of decks. Um, I use them just kind of whenever I feel like working with a certain one because they all have a little bit of a different energy or personality to me. So yeah, that's the best way to answer that. <laughs> so one thing I was going to ask coming from the, you know, for me, very strictly Norse pagan perspective, um, I was wondering what were we, like how is modern like, Norse pagan witchcraft similar yet different than what it was potentially practiced with back in the day because I mean we do know there are you know practices that were you know still used such as divination just not the same divination we use now even with the runes like the, the symbols we know as the runes are still like modern in the sense or at least our inter interpretations of them so like kind of what, what are the connections between the past and our, our modern usage of these things that's a very interesting question and one I'm not entirely sure how well I'll be able to answer. <laughs> um, in in regards to tarot, tarot is honestly rather modern. Um, it's really, the earliest tarot has been traced back to is um, I believe the 1500s, but uh, the Rider-Waite-Smith tarot, which is the one you will most commonly see, has only been around since I believe the early 1900s, if I'm not mistaken. So um, if you're talking divination specifically, that's, uh, but, as for witchcraft, that I'm not quite sure what would be trying to think how would be the best answer for having a modern take on it um, versus what would be witchcraft back in the day without introducing it to, um, you know, without comparing it to paganism, which was because uh, paganism looks very different than as it does now. I mean, I made a video on sacrifice and I kind of had a more modern take on sacrifice versus what sacrifice was in, you know, ancient pagan cultures. So, um, yeah. <laughs> no, I know this is a really hard question, but I know this is something a lot of people want to know about. And I, honestly, I want to know about too, because, um, you know, as people know, I have someone that does a lot of my, you know, like more Norse pagan witch stuff for me in another country. So she does, she's taught me a lot of things as far as like the runes um, and like a lot about holidays and sacred times. So a lot of my information comes from her, but it's just one of those things where it's like, there's such a disconnect between like what modern, you know, wicked, because there's a difference. I mean, maybe we should even have you clarify what's the difference between witchcraft and Wiccan, because that's a big thing, right? I mean, a lot of people don't understand there's a difference. So Wiccan is a specific path that was created in the 1950s by Gerald Gardner. It's not that old, um, but it has a very strong following. And in about the 90s, 80s, it really picked up steam. Most of the books that you would find back then would be on Wicca. 
So most people, especially around my age group, they were introduced to Wicca because it was the easiest thing that you could get knowledge on. Um, it was the most readily available. But Wicca has, it's a little more structured. Um, there is like the threefold law, which basically states that um, anything that you do will come back to you in a numerical three times three, which I just don't believe that that sort of thing has a numeric. Um, I just don't think it has a numeric place. Um, but there's also the Wiccan read, which is kind of the creed that you would follow if you're a Wiccan. And um, mo in most uh, Wiccan practices, you will honor both a god and a goddess. And for me personally, I just kind of wanted to leave my practice more fluid to make sure that any deity that wanted to come in could be welcome to or not, and whatever would happen, and that I didn't necessarily have to have a goddess and god figure. Um, so basically, as soon as I discovered that I wanted to move past Wicca and that those things didn't really align with my practice, it was more kind of creating that fluidness to my practice to be able to not adhere to, for instance, the Wiccan read and make my own creeds by my own personal morals. And that would be communicated between my deities and I as well and not from a structure that someone else created. So is it fair to say that like uh, Wicca is the religion behind it and the witchcraft is the actual like practice behind it? Is that simple, something that makes sense? Yeah, I would say that's correct. Because I've been hanging around a lot of pagans the last year and we all seem to like shiny rocks. So like there's gotta be something going on there. Well, I mean, they come from the earth. So I think that has something to do with it. Well, uh, you know, First off, I want to say thank you for coming because you have a plethora of knowledge. Like I did a deep dive on your whole YouTube channel, you know, two years going back to even being on YouTube 10 years ago under your other uh, name. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to get into journaling. So that's one thing I want to ask you because I've seen your video on it. Uh, do you have any advice for those who are trying to get into journaling? Because maybe like uh, Freya just recently started working with me. And so um, I want to try to keep track of the different interactions I have with all the different gods and goddesses. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. And secondly, thank you for looking into my channel so extensively. That's just awesome. And I'm very honored. Um, Freya's my girl, as you guys know, she's my main lady. Um, and honestly, when it comes to journaling, I personally have just always been that type of person. I need to be able to get things out of my head onto paper to be able to um, look back on it and have that knowledge accessible, especially after I became a parent, it's been really hard to keep track of everything. So it's been um, very cathartic for me. But the tips that I would recommend is if you just want to have a journal for writing, um, really make it personal. You can decorate the cover of it, which is something that I enjoy doing. Um, I'm an artistic person, so I love doing that. Um, or, you know, write a dedication to it and really keep it handy to record your experiences with deities. If you have a meditation, once you get out of the meditation and you have any experiences with that deity, write it all down, get it out as soon as it's fresh. And if you're, for say, going on a hike and you start to see signs, you know, make a note in your phone or carry your journal with and then keep it in that place. So it's really just that space to have all the information to look back on because you'll start to see patterns and it's just really um, phenomenal to see kind of what comes up once you keep a record of it. 
so just a little bit uh, different change of pace on this. Um, so how do you go about um, teaching your kids about the gods? This is I've got a uh, I've got a two year old daughter, and she's a little too young to really understand things now. But I'm trying to figure out where how I should go about it when she gets a little bit older, when she can start understanding things. Well, um, I have a I have two sons. They are three and almost six. And I remember when I was pregnant with my first, I actually was really apprehensive to even share any part of my path with him. Um, I wasn't raised under any religion, so I was kind of wanting to approach it that way. And my husband is atheist. So we had to have a common ground on that. And basically, we both concluded that I would not I would not hide what I believe. And actually, it was my husband that encouraged this, which I was really grateful for, um, that I would just be open about it. And I would kind of keep it more of a, this is what mom does. If that's something that you want to believe, that's fine. If you want to believe other things, that's fine. But you need to be tolerant and respectful of others. So we do our best to kind of try to keep them um, with a well-rounded, educated, informed outlook on religion. And um, I mean, even so far as to if my in-laws would like to take my sons to church, that's perfectly fine. But my boys have to have that consent that this is something that they want to do. Um, the same goes for my beliefs. If they want to learn about it, then I will tell them. If they have no interest, then I'll just leave it be. But I do include um, I do go about my, uh, my celebrations. I, I'm like, oh, it's summer solstice. I'm going to do this. Or, oh, it's, uh, you know, it's the fall equinox. I'm going to do this. And, you know, they are included and aware of it. And they kind of just look at it as, oh, this is what mom does. <laughs> so that would be my best advice is just do your thing. Go about who you are and just make sure that she understands that that's what you believe. And she she's welcome to learn and understand it if she chooses to. We talked a little bit because my wife's still Christian. Um, she's kind of like an odd kind of Christian because he's like, she's not one of the ones that goes to church and things like that, but that's still what she wants to believe in all. Um, but we'd, uh, we'd kind of talked and decided that we're just going to let her, we're going to expose her to both and just let her see what she wants to go for. Um, the only thing that I think that I'm really going to try to like actively try to get her um connected to is like the ancestor stuff because i just wanted to note if that's one thing that just because somebody dies doesn't mean that you can't still connect with them you can always talk to them and you're you know they're always with you and they'll always be there to support you death isn't an end it's just a new beginning now that's the only thing i the main thing that i really want to get across to her as she gets older right and that's actually really wonderful um i have done pretty similar um especially because my mother passed away just a couple of years ago when my son was three and my youngest son was one. So they've had, unfortunately, already an introduction to death and they've already had that presence and that understanding that, you know, grandma's not gone completely. She's still here with you in some way. And I do have taught that to them, especially because I do have an ancestral altar in my bedroom. It's just behind me here on the shelf. And they see that. They know what it is for the most part. And I think it is a very good way to introduce a child to the concept of death 
and help them go through grieving because they grieve just as much as we do, just in different ways. Yeah, one thing I was going to add is while I don't have children of my own, I mean, one day I'll have my 14 children, uh, perhaps 15. We go back and forth. Uh, <laughs> oh, sure. Did you th say 30? I can do 30. I'll do my best. <laughs> um, so um, well, the one experience I have that will always stick out to me is I do teach um, my best friend's son in photography, you know, completely out of the religion. It's, it's He likes photography. I like to teach him. I've taken to a few gigs. But one day he wanted to go hiking. And so we were out in the woods and I just brought what I normally did. You know, I brought a gift for the spirits out there. And um, we got to the part where I wanted to give it. And he kind of looked at me and he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, what? I'm just giving the gift for the spirits. And he was like, oh, I'm like, you don't have to watch. Like, I, I, you know, it's just my practice. And, you know, and I got consent from his dad. I was like, look, this is, you know, because he's Catholic. I'm like, look, is this okay? And he's like, sure. My son doesn't have belief. I want him to believe in something. And sure enough, I go out, I, I give the offering to the spirits, I stand back, I smile, and I just walk back to him. He's like, why did you do all that? I'm like, I'm just giving to the spirits. And he's like, what do you mean? There's no spirits here. I'm like, are there? And I just kind of looked at him. And uh, sure enough, you know, he's like, well, I kind of want to give to the spirits. And he had some pretzels. And so he went down and he put the pretzels in the pot, like the altar. And sure enough, as soon as he did that, the wind in the valley whipped around him. Like, I don't know where all the leaves fell. And he just stood up. He was like, oh, they're real. <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited. Uh, but that was such a cool experience. And that's definitely something that I want to reflect. And even in my own children is like, I'm not going to like sit them down and be like, you need to learn who Odin is, because that's how I felt like I was taught how God was. And it's like, I'm just going to show you how it is. And if you feel them great, if you don't, you know, um, you know, go about your life and see what finds you because that's what I did. So that's my that's my two cents on children, just because that's the experience I've had. Um, we'll see if it works out for all 30 of them. Um, but one thing I did want to mention is uh, the lunar cycles, because this is something that I picked up on early in my journey as well, is the importance of um, full moons, new moons, and what those do for us. So can you kind of give us insight to your personal practices on the lunar cycles? Okay, first of all, you're nuts for wanting 30 kids. <laughs> I have two, and I can barely do that. You guys are still going to help me raise the children. I don't know why you don't think that's happening. <laughs> you're going to need some all-mother help for that one. <laughs> Um, uh, all right. So into the moon cycles, I have always been connected with the moon. Coincidentally, I'm wearing a shirt with the moon phases on it right now, although no one can see that, but, <laughs> um, it's also for me, I'm very interested in astrology and, um, for me personally, my birth chart, my moons, my moon is in the sign that the moon rules. So I just kind of think that that's why I've been connected to it. But, um, I, I just think that it's our that our celestial bodies are a way for deity or if you want to look at it universal energy to communicate with us and influence us and I would like to honor the moon and the cycles it goes through because a lot of the time it reflects the cycles that we go through as human beings from light to dark and back and forth and to me that is deeply important in my practice we all have times where it, there is darkness, complete darkness for us. And we all have times where we are completely empowered and everything's illuminated and we feel like we can take on the world. And to me, that is what honoring the moon kind of reflects. So yeah, most of my questions um, revolve around, like I said earlier, like I'm very unfamiliar with tarot. Uh, and this is actually a question that was recommended to me to ask. Um, so for, I know, for certain cards, um, them being upside down, it's kind of like with the runes, like some people read them if they're upside down or a certain direction, they have a very different meaning. Um, 
what if you say you have a card or like the deck that you are using doesn't have a distinct up, down, left, right kind of a situation where it's a very like symmetrical design on the card. Like it's pretty much impossible to figure out which way it is essentially like, you know, facing. Is there any like advice you can give on that or knowledge on that? Or is that just something like deck specific? So that generally is deck specific. Um, especially my best advice that I can give for anyone who's curious about tarot is start with the Rider Waite Smith. This is something I wish I did. And um, I, I didn't. And now I'm kind of understanding that it provides a guidance for because most other tarot decks are based on Rider Waite Smith. Some of them are based on the other two systems. But most are Rider Waite Smith. And when it comes to reversals, I'd say, honestly, start just reading upright because reversals, there's 78 tarot cards. If you add reversals to that, it's a lot to take on. I didn't start considering reversals until very recently. And honestly, I don't read reversals in the traditional sense. I more look at them as the shadow side of the card. So if I have a positive card, I can look at it like, okay, maybe this means disharmony instead of instead of harmony right now in this reading. But um, that's something that can be very overwhelming. And it's just easier to just start with the upright. And then once you get a really good feel for the cards, then move into reversals and kind of make your own thing of it. My question is uh, kind of going back to the ancestry with uh, Solomon coming up. And I, I know you've posted a video, you're like your ancestor altars, like your different altars and offerings on it. Uh, for those trying to connect with their ancestors, what do you recommend like for the first practice or first time? Much like the gods, I would recommend giving an offering and letting them know that you're there to listen. Find a place in your home that you can honor them so they know that they're welcome and that you're kind of opening that line of communication where you're saying, hey, I'm listening. I'm listening for your guidance. It's pretty similar in a lot of ways. Um, but I, like I said, I do have a very specific place in my home that is for them. And um, I always, one of the best offerings you can start with is just water. Water is kind, I've always viewed water as a portal. And there's a lot of myth, mythology and a lot of saying about the dead or thirsty. So that's another thing that I've just always kind of considered in my practice. So start with an offering of water and just start with having a space that they can come to and just say a very simple prayer saying, or a very simple invocation saying, I'm, I'm here for your guidance. You're welcome in this space. So moving, actually, I had this question come up to me um, about Yule is someone asked me how to properly do uh, Mother's Night. And I didn't really have any good advice for them just because I, I, I don't know, I feel like I've never actually heard what other people do to honor the, the seer in particular in the Norse mythos. Do you have anything you, you do for Mother's Night during Yule? Um, for Yule, honestly, not so much for Mother's Night specifically, but I actually think that's something that will probably be more made into my practice as Frigg came into my practice just before Yule last year. So um, that's something that I probably would honor with her. She's in my practice for a very specific reason and it is to guide me through motherhood since I don't have my mother and she's kind of that presence for me. But for Yule specifically, it's really kind of all about Odin for me. And it's always been, that's always the time where he shows up and is like, hey, give me attention. 
I'm here, I would like to be honored. And so oftentimes it will be, I do a ritual really kind of more dedicated towards him and honoring the um, darkest night of the year. And then I will usually always give an offering of alcohol poured out onto the snow for Odin. I was about to say, what if you didn't have snow, but then you're in Minnesota and you guys probably always have snow. <laughs> Six months out of the year. Sounds like we need to build a hall up there because honestly, Kentucky, we don't get snow until February. It's usually like 60 degrees during Yule. It's awful. Um, what is snow? I live in yeah. Texas. Yeah, you guys probably closed school for a flurry. We really do. It's just it's pretty bad. Okay, so yeah, so I have one more question on tarot because like I said, I'm very unfamiliar with it. Um, this is actually a really basic question. What does tarot mean like as a word itself, if you know? You know, I actually don't. <laughs> um, I It's weird because I know some of the history of tarot, mostly more pertaining to the writer with Smith and the Thoth decks, but I actually don't know what the word means. That's That's something I should educate myself on. <laughs> So one thing that I really, really enjoyed on your channel was how you promoted uh, mental health, because me personally, mental health, I think is a very big issue, uh, no matter like what you're going through, what faith you're in, because if you're not right in yourself and with yourself, then you're obviously it's going to have a, some kind of spiritual disconnection there. Do you have any advice for anyone who's struggling with uh, that? Well, as we all know, this year has been a whirlwind of issues for mental health, for sure. But for me personally, I have been struggling with it since probably about a year or so before I came to paganism. And part of me coming to paganism was me trying to find a way to make peace with myself and the things that I was experiencing with depression and what would soon become later anxiety. And... Um, you know, the best advice I can give you is get out in nature. That's one of the big things. Make the time for your practice, even when you don't feel like showing up and sitting at your altar or going for a walk or communing with the gods. Get out and do it. Because even if it's just five minutes to stand outside with your feet on the ground and feel the wind or the sun or smell the fresh air it makes a huge difference or even if it's just five minutes to sit in front of your altar with your candles and have that space that transition it really makes all the world of difference it helps reset you it helps empower you and honoring um promises to yourself and holding yourself accountable is also very important for self-empowerment and uh, mental health and everything that comes with it. So on that, I, I want to transition a little bit towards um, Odin, because you mentioned him towards the beginning, that he was there uh, near the beginning of your practice. And now you, you mostly work with Frey and Frigg, it seems like. Um, but what was Odin for you? I mean, being a you know, devout Odin follower myself, I do want to kind of know a little bit more about your Odin journey. Um, and I, I know you made this, the comment of him when he, when he actually shows up, um, because that is very true. So whatever information you can give me on him, since he doesn't show up very often for me either, would be great. <laughs> Ah, the wandering all-father. <laughs> he is the only male deity that has been in my practice. Um, for the longest time, I was very apprehensive to male deities because even though I didn't grow up in a Christian household, I did have some of my experiences with Christianity long enough to know that it wasn't for me. 
So I was a little bit apprehensive to work with personified male deity just because I felt that maybe I would have a hard time disassociating. But um, and essentially, as I said, what started my practice into the Norse path and um, everything was Odin appearing in a dream. And how that dream essentially went is I was in a very large library <laughs> with a very large window. If you've ever seen the movie Beauty and the Beast, it's a lot like that, the library. Um, and there outside this massive window was this huge tree. And in front of the window was an acquaintance of mine. This guy is actually quite atheist. Um, so I was a little surprised to, ha to have him in my dream. He's sitting here looking through these books and he's like talking about how great it is that Odin's the god of knowledge. And I was just like, yes, yes it is. And I kind of turn and I look at the tree and I said quietly, kind of under my breath, all father. And I woke up and I was like, oh, hello. <laughs> I guess, I guess that's happening now. So it really started with him. And again, I'll say he really kind of just hangs out more in the darker parts of the year. And then I don't feel his energy very much in the lighter parts of the year. But it started with me honoring him at Yule. And that's just been a continuous thing. How he presents himself to me is essentially Gandalf. Really, he's that elderly sage type um very guiding figure he's never been intimidating in my experiences with him just kind of calm but aloof and very like very wise and very stoic i would say is the how odin tends to appear to me and he definitely does have that all fatherly type of essence to him but it's definitely more of a Bull of a toque, I'm going to throw you in that well <laughs> if you mess up kind of thing. <laughs> now, I often use the, oh, I, I often use the, uh, the Gandalf motif myself as well, just because like, you know, you know, we could go on Gandalf all day just because it's like he does have all those different, those uh, aspects, you know, he goes to the Shire, wanders around, can deal with wizards and kings, but also enjoys the, you know, the, the company of hobbits and dwarves and elves. And then yet, you know, he can be kind of snarky if you mess up. Um, so it's like, it's a very complicated relationship, I find. And it's definitely fatherly, yet, I don't know, like the distant father, like he travels a lot for his job or something like that. And he only comes back every now and then to, you know, to share one good moment with you. Then he's kind of off for the job again. Um, but obviously with Odin, uh, there was a practice of like Sather magic. And I'm trying to figure out, so I don't know, this might just be a spitball, but is is, you know, say they're similar to like witchcraft practices or like, um, you know, anything that you practice in? I know we're going to have a guest eventually on say there, but is that anything you kind of mess with? I am actually just really starting to learn about it. And um, it's something that I've been starting to pull towards mostly just because of Freya. And I feel like I can connect with her more in that sense because she taught Odin Seder. Um, and, but the differences between Seder from my understanding and um, witchcraft is Seder magic is more, uh, the practice of Seder is more weaving of the fates and determining the future and um, predicting in a sense. 
which is something that I have to be perfectly honest, although I read tarot and I love divination, it's something I've been nervous to be a part of. It's something that I've been nervous to dive into, but it is something that I'm trying to encourage myself and challenge myself to do so truthfully, because I do feel like I'm being guided by Freya um, to expand my practice, but that is as far as I have gotten with it. So I also am starting to dive into uh, say their work as well. And I, I feel you're where you're coming from with that. Um, the more I'm reading into it, the more like kind of, I guess you would say like uh, practices or abilities that are potentially learned and practiced and used could definitely be a little, I don't want to say sketchy, but they can be almost overwhelming and what you could potentially use it for. And for me, I just recently reconnected with Freya. I had a big falling out with her actually. And at the fall gathering, I kind of had made my peace with her. Um, and I feel like that's definitely helping me as far as pushing myself as well, diving into this is that sense of reconnection. Like I was already planning on kind of diving into it and everything like that. Um, and then that just kind of helped promoted it. So actually, do you have any good book recommendations? Um, the only one I have read so far that does kind of go into this is um, it's called The Norse Shaman. I, for the life of me, I cannot remember the author right now, but um, it is a, a fantastic book and it does, it really has a lot to do with um, uh, trance work, introducing trance work and stuff too. So it kind of blends the two and it's, it's definitely one that, the only one I've read so far to kind of get my toes wet. I know there are a few more I have on my Amazon wish list, but I can't speak to them because I have not read them. So <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm trying to find the one exactly that you're talking about. I know it's also in my list as well. Um, the only one that I have started reading so far is um, it's called uh, Say They're Opening the Gate by Katie Gerald or Jared, something like that. And it, it kind of ties quite a few different actual forms of Norse um, witchcraft in a sense that kind of like understand the differences. I know like there's portions on um, uh, vulvas, uh, seers, seeresses, things like that to kind of like tie in, you know, the similarities and also different, like uh, point out the differences between all those practices. Um, but I do know the book that you are talking about. It is in my wish list as well. Uh, I will definitely be getting that at some point. Um, but yeah, as as somebody that is starting to practice that, I definitely understand your almost like the hesitation to start diving down into some of that stuff because you know that's the more I'm reading about it the more different things that I'm learning I'm just like ooh, that's uh that sounds like some pretty intense stuff you know like obviously I'm not gonna dive headfirst into it but it definitely is it's a lot it's definitely a lot to take in and a lot that you're gonna have to learn it's weird working with the ancestors and working with the dead doesn't scare me but this does <laughs> So kind of bringing it back to ancestors. I mean, I feel sorry for this podcast, but also I, you know, I kind of love it because we've been bouncing around between ideas so much and now we're back to ancestors. Um, this is something that I have not practiced too much with. Now you talked about having a, an altar to them, but is there any particular like meditation or thing you do to connect with them? Like initially um, I've attempted to do like a form of meditation where I just like follow like the lines of my memories as deep as I can go into like almost into past life kind of stuff. 
So what, what any, like, or do you have any tips or techniques for people trying to connect for the first time, you know, outside of the altars? Um, well, this would still pertain to altar in a sense, just because I, the other thing that I would recommend is a candle, um, making a candle that is dedicated to them and only lighting it when you are trying to call them in, because I do feel like fire kind of that fire, that energy to bring about that does bring in ancestor um, ancestor energy, at least it always has for me. Um, there are a couple of really wonderful books. Um, one of them I, I will recommend, um, it's called, I believe it's called Honoring Your Ancestors. It's by Mallory Vadois. I actually do remember the author's name this time. Um, <laughs> and that one is fantastic. It has a lot of really wonderful tips um, for getting involved in that. As for meditation specifically, that is actually a really good one, the one that you mentioned. Um, mine more has, is kind of more a mediumship communication with the dead sort of approach, because um, I do tend to have that going on. So whenever I sit and welcome them in, I'm more trying to speak um, to whichever ancestor might want to come and guide me whichever ancestor might want to come into the space, maybe give me some images or flashes of information, um, even sometimes asking for um, ancestors in dream work because I tend to get a lot of messages through dreams as well. So that's usually how I do it. If I'm looking for guidance, I also do divination through communication with ancestors as well through cardamancy and um, I've actually been wanting to tie the runes into it, but I'm not quite ready for that. <laughs> One thing I'm finding really fascinating about the folk podcast in general is that like 80% of our episodes have had to deal with dreams, trance, meditation, say their work, um, like divination. Now we're talking about witchcraft. We're talking about tarot. And it's like, it's interesting. We like have this theme here where we're talking about these altered states of consciousness or these deep dives into the self. But at the same time, I feel like we're meant to have these conversations here because we all are trying to find out more about ourselves and more about our spirituality. Um, and it's, you know, it's one thing to go out and give offerings to the gods, but at the end of the day, we are trying to become a better version of ourselves and discover more about ourselves. Um, so I just wanted to say that to like just the audience in general, to all of us, because it's just really interesting that this is the things we keep on talking about. Um, but I don't know. It's just, it's really exciting to see, you know, all of us just taking these deep dives. And I've noticed all, you know, all four of the co-hosts and every guest we've had have all come, come away learning things. So that was just my long monologue for this episode that I, I don't know, it's just, it felt like it's really cool that we're talking about these things. So I've done a, a well, not in, not recently, but back whenever I first uh, got it, got into Norse paganism, uh, the only God I really worked with was Thor. And then I started doing a lot of ancestor work um, throughout that whole time between like last September, like 2019 through, I don't know, February or March of this year, I felt like I only really connected with one ancestor. Um, and I guess the question I'm getting towards is, is there any way that you can try to connect to another one or ask for specific ones, like ones that, you know, uh, people that would have been recently departed or anything like that? Um, just because I'm really new to it and I've really not looked into it. Um, that was the only one I've had was just the one that kind of came to me. And I guess he was the one that needed to start it all off for me. Absolutely. And you can even exclude members in your family that maybe were problematic in life, or you can choose to go through cleansing and forgiveness or however you want to look at that, however you want to deal with that, that's something that you can do. 
Um, but when it comes to contacting someone specifically, that is something that I'm a little more well-versed in because most of my experiences with ancestor worship have either been my ancestors as a collective, not even necessarily those that follow my bloodline, but just those who've gone before me and have helped guide me in some way or form, or my beloved dead, which is most commonly my grandfather. Um, I've had many, many experiences with my grandfather, and he's been a guiding force in my life since his passing, and um, he was a guiding force while he was living. So you, if you want to communicate with someone who has specifically passed that you are deeply connected to, that energy, that connection is very strong. And if you have something of theirs, that is something that can be very helpful to hold with you while you try to communicate with them. Sometimes they even come around when you're just thinking about them. I've had experiences thinking about my grandfather and something I can smell him and I'm like, oh, hey, how are you? <laughs> I know you're there. So, um, I mean, it's, I think we underestimate how powerful that connection truly is and it transcends death. Yeah, uh, I remember watching, like I said, your YouTube video on it and you did a really good job describing that. So definitely check her videos out at shadowwitchonyoutube.com. Um, but while we're like kind of talking about the ancestral work and stuff like that and the self work, you also have videos on shadow work. Um, for those that haven't really worked on that, do you have any advice like on how to start shadow working or delving deep into that? First and foremost, I will say with shadow work, is you really need to be ready. It's, it's difficult, it's not fun, and it can bring up a lot, but it is extremely healing. So go at your own pace, take your time, get a journal. That's something that's really important. Um, there are many, uh, many resources out there for journal prompts for shadow work, and they're just asking you essentially difficult questions about the not so pleasant parts about yourself. And then you can kind of dissect them and work through them by answering these questions or writing these down. Um, there are tarot spreads that explore the shadow self. And um, I think it is deeply essential that we explore our darker sides because it helps us really be mindful of our less pleasant selves because we all have faults. We all have traumas we all have something that we carry around that's heavy and it doesn't necessarily have to be heavy all the time so shadow work is something that is very um very healing if you let it be but it also is very difficult and i tend to correlate my shadow work with the dark moon which i observe the dark moon um the two days before the new moon which actually is happening right now so that's um, I don't always, but I tend to do it more around that time. So that's just me tying in my practice with the moon with that. But um, I, I'd say definitely just go at your own pace. Take it easy. If it's feeling too heavy, take a break. Focus your craft somewhere else for a bit. And once you feel ready, pick it back up. It just unturns a lot of stones within the psyche and it can be hard to navigate. So it's just something that um, really is heavy. And I personally would say that it's very helpful to correlate this with a professional therapy and things like that, because um, that, that's a very useful tool. But if that's not something that, um, that fits 
any one specific practice, then I'd say just start with journaling. That usually really is something that can kind of open that up a bit. If the more you write, the more you explore, and it can be very, very cathartic in a way too. I'd be the guy that say that I honestly have no idea what shadow work is. <laughs> I every I always hear someone talk about it. If someone brings up a conversation, I'm like, oh yeah, shadow work. But for some reason, I, I've like never actually asked or figured out what the world shadow work is. So can someone please help me? <laughs> I got you. <laughs> the shadow self is essentially a term coined by Carl Jung. And it's basically the not so pleasant side of us. It's the darker side of us. It's the other side of us that is either, like I said, our flaws, our traumas, our shortcomings, the sides of us that are impatient or um, crass or, you know, um, for instance, one of my big ones is I can be very impatient (laughs) Um, or, you know, uh, exploring our traumas, exploring the things that have kind of forged parts of us that are not the greatest to deal with. And many people will go their whole lives just completely ignoring the side of them. And I truly don't think that you can heal unless you explore it. And that's just my personal opinion. I know this works differently for everybody, but that's just the conclusion that I've come to with myself. And so then, hence that is why I personally practice shadow work. I'll say the only, like I guess, experience I would have as far as shadow work, it wasn't even necessarily my own um, idea to start it. I was actually, I don't want to say forced, but I was pushed that way by tear specifically in a dream that it came to me involving, um, a situation, you know, like you said, like traumas and the not so good parts of ourselves, um, without going like too much into the situation, basically there was a person that, um, caused a lot of problems that resulted in a lot of, um, it was a bad situation and I held a lot of like rage and resentment towards that person to have like an unhealthy level and basically tear came to be in a dream it was just like gave me that really stern look of don't do it you know it's not worth it um you know and it it, it definitely made me kind of step back and start to reevaluate you know myself as far as you know, like, yes, this isn't worth it. And like you said, like, it's, it started bringing me down that approach of, of healing where it started, I started to, you know, gradually accept it and start to, uh, whenever I would get like that feeling of like anger towards that person out of nowhere, I'd be able to calm myself down about it very quickly. And now, you know, it's pretty much gone and dealt with, you know, cause it, it's, it's something that I didn't want to get let control my life, even though I knew it was controlling my life for a good few months to a year almost um but yeah i would i've definitely had my experience with it but it definitely wasn't by choice per se i was definitely pushed to kind of like figure that stuff out leave it to tear right (laughs) that's just yeah that's not surprising in the least that it would be tear but i'm glad he was able to guide you through your hardships and shadow work is i feel like when it comes to shadow work and you know, all the things that it pertains to. One of the things that I've always tried to tell myself is that if I don't deal with it, it will deal with me. And that is an inevitability. And I need to honor that and find the appropriate way to move forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I definitely felt that way as far as like my situation, because I could feel it starting to take control of, you know, just every day to day life where 
the slightest little thought of that person would kind of trigger me into like, you know, a really foul mood for the rest of the day, you know, and then it was just kind of that state of, I don't want to do anything. I'm going to sit here and stew on this situation, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But um, yeah, I definitely agree with that. If you don't take care of it, like you said, it will take care of you or it'll come and get you basically. So that's interesting now that I, you know, it's like I have a, a name for it because I feel like it's something I have had to do specifically with Odin and specifically on like the wisdom of Odin path. Uh, just because it's like uh, I've had a lot of anxiety over the years, just simply, you know, being very critical of my work, even back when I was a painter and a photographer, like I hated everything I did. Um, and that's something that I had to get over. Like it was almost like it's like, OK, you're creating this YouTube channel. And it was like anytime I felt bad about my videos or anxious like I would go talk to Odin like what am I doing the right thing am I on the right path and it was almost like he was just like you need to stop like you need to work this out right now and I would sit there for like an hour just in front of my altar and just like work through everything in my mind like every anxiety I would have I would have to just stop and I'm like no you have to stop that right now and it's it's taken a long time but it really has you know it, it was like hour-long sit downs just working on myself and it was it felt guided um but you know it's now it has a name i'm like oh maybe i, I guess i did a little shadow work <laughs> one of the things i love about the norse gods specifically is that through their mythology and the personify um, personifications of them they are flawed and they will show you that they are flawed and it's just they'll kind of guide you through their flaws especially if it's one of your own in a sense of kind of mirroring so it's just interesting and it's interesting that they'll guide you through that and Odin definitely has that presence where he'll just be like you're, you're gonna get your stuff together and that's what's gonna happen and go do it get over it <laughs> so sorry I don't know what we've talked about in the last 10-15 minutes my wife came in and was telling me about everything so I don't know if y'all saw me just over here doing all this stuff yeah um but yeah I have no clue what we talked about I'm gonna have to listen to the podcast to figure it out um but back to the moon and stuff like that. I know I'm going way back. Um, <laughs> do you ever feel a connection with Odin through the moon? Because I know back through this past summer, like anytime I especially that I saw like the full moon, I always felt like Odin was watching me. And I don't know if it was the one out that he's got or the one that was lost in the well. There's something about something about that. That is really interesting, um, especially with the eye. I really have kind of always had somewhat of a connection with Odin through the sky, not necessarily the moon, but I also, for some strange reason, pine trees and cedar trees just are something that connect me with him as well. And every single time I see either, if it's, even if it's a crow, I'm like, oh, what's up? <laughs> it's a ball feather. But for the moon specifically in Odin, I don't have that personal experience, but I do find that really fascinating. I've heard people talk about that before where the, our moon is just the, is actually Odin's eye. And I felt like to be such a, like a darkly romantic concept is that the, the well, the mirror's well is just the outer, just outer space. And that, you know, it's like this eye, I don't know. It's, it's weirdly dark and I love it. And it's very fitting. Um, but it's, I don't know for me in the moon, and this is like diving into a, like a whole nother thing, but I've never felt the moon as a God. Like I feel this energy, like I know it's something, but like as a physical being, I don't know. I feel like I've never actually connected to it on a God level. I have always addressed the moon as her ever since I was a kid. I just have, I don't know why. So I know that there are many, many deities are female, uh, lunar deities are female, except for the one in the North gods. Um, and I think in the Japanese pantheon, there's also the deity is male. Yes, he is. Um, uh, and 
but I don't know. It's just always had a feminine energy to me. So I just always address it as her or she, but I've never really given it a name aside from just addressing it as the moon and honoring it as that. And yeah, but that is interesting. The well being space and Odin's eye being the moon. I've never heard that concept before. And that fascinates me. That means he would have drunk, like drank outer space. Whoa. <laughs> or like drank dark matter. I don't know. There's something going on here. <laughs> the Milky Way is the need. <laughs> we don't have time to go into that kind oh, of yeah. deep, deep. Word. We need, we need, we need the cosmology podcast now. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know who we would get for that. I don't know. That's some deep I stuff. I have no clue. Aaron. <laughs> Yeah, Aaron would be a good one. Yeah, Aaron would be. Oh a good yeah, one. the Norns. That'll be a three-hour oh, podcast, dude. Yeah, we're, we're, we're gonna have to <laughs> we'll get have him three parts. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go ahead and start ending this episode of the Folk Podcast. Dana, thank you so much for being on here. Uh, any closing marks you want to say? And go ahead and let us know where can we uh, where can everyone find you on YouTube and Instagram and all that good stuff. Well, on both YouTube and Instagram, I is, I am known as the Shadow Moon Witch, so you can find me that way, and it's. I, it's been an honor, especially because I have been following you for about a year, Jacob, and I've been kind of trying to get myself more acclimated into the community and that you've built. And it's just been so great to talk to other Norse pagans. <laughs> it's been so great, especially because my channel is a little more eclectic. So I get people from the divination community and I get people just from the witchcraft community and the Norse pagan and my channel will continue to be eclectic. But I personally have been really trying to drive my path a little bit more towards working with the gods so it's just been wonderful to have that and you have provided that for me myself and many other people and it is an honor <laughs> one of these days we'll actually have a gathering up in minnesota that actually needs to happen real quick please, please do minnesota is very very of the north <laughs> Real quick before we close out, the only thing I really want to suggest, and I know you say sorry rambling on like a lot of your videos. Don't be sorry. It's who you are. Own it. Thank you. <laughs> and see, just as Jacob was talking about kind of being our worst critic, that right there is a reflection of mine. And that right there is something that I need to do more shadow work on is emanating that confidence but I've never been very good, a very good public speaker. So I believe, or so I believe, but I have been getting pretty positive feedback, so I should probably just start believing it. I tell you, the secret is you just grow a red beard and they never pay attention ever again. That's the key. Um, it'll match the blue hair, grow a red beard. Uh, but, folk, until next time, please give a follow to Dana, uh, the Shadow Moon Witch on Instagram and the Shadow Moon Witch on YouTube. And if you are interested in being on the Folk Podcast, please email us at thefolkpodcast at gmail.com, which is uh, thefolkpodcast at gmail.com, all lowercase. Um, or if you have any topics you'd like to discuss. But otherwise, until the hall, skull. Skull. Uh, we're rusty. Wow. We're rusty. <laughs> <laughs>